now is Sharon Whiteman who is president of Lyme Disease Association here in Australia. A small yet powerful registered charity and they wish to achieve universal recognition and equitable treatment for Australian Lyme and associated disease. Patience that's not asking a lot. Good afternoon to you Sharon. Good afternoon Jenny, thank you for having us. A great pleasure. On and off we've talked about this over the years you know with our different guests from the medical industry and that sort of thing. If you could just define for us, why is it so controversial? Well, that's a very good question. I don't know if anybody has the whole answer to that, uh, Jenny, but de- definitely, you know, our advisor expresses it best. It's, sort of, it's a combination of legacy thinking, uh, dogmatic denial, um, sort of a lack of focus and prioritization of research, and, and really extensive apathy, I have to say, I'm sorry, in the health policymakers to properly and thoroughly investigate this situation for sick Australians. Look, you know, there are a lot of cases out there. We'll get to that in a moment. But if we could just define the the origin of Lyme disease, if I could just mention that I have heard that it is from a a tick, um, a kangaroo tick, um, and it isn't the people people that say it doesn't exist, say that that cannot be possible here in Australia. But elsewhere in the world, it is acknowledged, isn't it? Not by kangaroos, but other ways. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it, Lyme internationally is known to be transmitted through a bite of a vector. Mo- you know, it was most well known as ticks, but anecdotally, as we move forward and research progresses, yeah. it can be midges, March flies, leeches, bed bugs, anything that bites and is a sort of a blood sucking type um, insect. Uh, I, I'm not. A, <laughs> I don't Medico. have science in no. no you know, in, in insects and the actual terminology of that. But definitely it's, it's, and they never transmit a single infection, according to international experts. They never see a Lyme patient. And just for the record, uh, the Lyme Disease Association uses the international definition of Lyme disease, which is a constellation of pathogens, not just the original yeah. Borrelia that was discovered in the U.S. in the in the eighties. Well, if this is now acknowledged that it can come from any any other blood sucking insect, of which there are many, why then are people in denial that it does exist in Australia? That well, it they're wanting to find evidence in a blood sucking insect first, and they are looking again at ticks, and they've looked previously. Um, there was some discrepancies in in the early nineties where one research. Um, program found the Borrelia burgdorferi and was confirmed by the U.S. lab. And then a very prestigious group studied ticks and said that they couldn't find anything. And even though they had, they indicated that they found spirochete-like objects in their research, no further investigation was done in regards to that. So, you know, we've gone now for 25, 30 years with Australians just getting sicker and misdiagnosed and undiagnosed. Well, the symptoms are incredible, you know, what people have to put up with. So can I ask you, for the disbelievers, what do they put this down to if they see a patient with these symptoms? Well, it's really interesting to... Uh, answer that question, Jenny, because I'm a former ICU and critical care nurse, and I've been helping patients now through the LDA and myself and other patients for 10 years now. And what I can see is when they look at it, these symptoms, it, Lyme disease and these pathogens cross sim- systems, which isn't common. You know, it's not that an average situation in healthcare. So they looked at, they try to put it as a neurological issue or an immunological issue or, you know, a rheumatology issue or a child behavior issue. And really what it is, they're not looking at the deeper level to see that there's viruses and bacteria and, and protozoa and um, 
other types of pathogens that cross they can affect any tissue in the body i'm just wondering why they've got such a closed mind to the label of lyme disease it it just doesn't seem rational to me people overseas that where it is acknowledged by governments and medicos um do they have the same sort of symptoms and where does that originate the symptoms are exactly the same. Um, they don't really know where it originates. I know that it was famous for being discovered in Lyme, Connecticut, obviously. But if you go back into the 50s and 60s through the CSIRO and through Queensland, they announced uh, Queensland tick typhus, which is a, was a Borrelia at the time in the 80s and 90s. So, you know, it has been acknowledged here. But I, I can only say, you know, I don't want to be critical of people, but in science and medicine in Australia, there's a, there's a group of people who think in a legacy kind of way that they Mm. they have eminence and um i guess i don't know they don't want to be proven wrong or and the other thing is it's not easy to find but what i find is that we sort of silo our research and science and medicine in australia and they i know in definitely i can tell you hand on heart in trying to advocate and even bringing in you know the government brought in international experts Dr. Richard Horowitz and Dr. Armin Schwartzbeck from the U.S. and Germany. And, uh, you know, that was sort of a tick box exercise in in retrospect in that they didn't listen to any of their advice. How many people are affected in Australia with all these symptoms, which are extreme, to say the least? Jenny, you know, it's hard to tell because there's no epidemiological review here. But um, as of December 2017, over 2,500 patients had reported to us with New South Wales, the highest, and a tie with Queensland and Victoria, and WA coming in fourth place. We still get an average of 60 to 80 per week of requests for doctor's care to our inbox, our email, or per month, rather, that is. And um, the U.S. recently updated its surveillance figures by 900%, estimating just under 500,000 new cases a year. So if we, there is, it's internationally known that Lyme is, um, recognized on every count- continent in the world. So if we extrapolate from the 5.8% globally, like even China quotes 5.8% of their uh, population as a prevalence poten- potential, that would mean about two, twenty to 24,000 a year in Australia and probably 500,000 over the last 25, 30 years of denial. If it hasn't been labelled by people that don't believe it is a Lyme disease, and what sort of treatment then do they give to these people? Well, another good question, Jenny. You know, know, best practice and the best option for full recovery is immediate diagnosis. And and it's actually internationally a clinical diagnosis because testing is problematic no matter where you are. Sometimes most of the tests that they use are waiting for an immune response to the pathogens. And these pathogens can be, depending on what constellation each person has and their genetic makeup, it can shut their immune system down very quickly and then make it enable to fight these pathogens so you know best practice is you know sickness a flu you know in outside of flu season been recently in the bush or working in the yard or you know kids playing sport is quite often or kids rolling around in the grass backyards in brisbane you know and the same with wa so it, it's really hard to tell really yeah well obviously there's a there's a lot way to go a long way to go i guess to try and analyze this completely to make everyone feel more comfortable that they are in fact genuinely suffering from what is called lyme disease and you want to have a name to it you um you haven't suffered you just looked after people that have had this right no um part of my passion is that i got bit by tick in queensland i'm on the sunshine coast in 2002 and i was completely disabled within four years and i ended up just through 
I don't know, fearless research yeah. diagnosing myself. I had, you know, multiple misdiagnoses. I'd seen 17 doctors, and that's the average, uh, that's what we see most commonly, yeah. unfortunately. But what a horrible thing when you've got such extreme symptoms being told by somebody, look, it's in your mind, or you've got a problem somewhere else, it's not really happening to you. I mean, that is debilitating mentally as well, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, and, you know, it causes brain inflammation, so that's an added mental health and it's secondary to infection and obviously you add the the burden of being misdiagnosed and and maligned really you know medicine in australia they've and recently and it's got worse actually since they've uh, recently published a clinical pathway which indicates that gps are no longer allowed to diagnose tick-borne diseases so if someone comes to them and they have a tick bite and a rash and a flu they have to refer them to an infectious disease doctor which is a three to six month wait if you're in a major center if you're regional or rural it's hopeless really so that's you know sending those people into a lifetime of suffering and disability it would it would just absolutely stop you in your tracks really wouldn't it i mean as far as working career life family everything yeah absolutely and you know that pathway that was published um over 60 international doctors scientists and stakeholders absolutely rejected dr horowitz which is the government um consultant he said that there would be harm suffering and sometimes death dr bransfield is a preeminent doctor internationally and he said he's staying on call to um you know be available for giving testimony to the government for crimes against humanity if they don't change that irresponsible policy so we're really in a david and goliath battle Jenny. sharon you, you've experienced all are you still experiencing effects of this and if so is there anything that is being done for you uh, yes, I am. Um, you know, I'm actually, compared to who I was, I'm not as bad as who I was in 2005, 6, 7, when I couldn't walk unabled or, you know, by myself. I couldn't drive any longer. I didn't remember my family's name. But today, you know, luckily, I have the opportunity. Like, I'm happier contributing. So I put my hand up to make a difference, and we've worked for 10 years. I really probably quite naively thought that if they knew what was going on here, they would change and we could get action. And now it's very clear that they're not. But we're not giving up. You know, we're linking hands. Um, We've got a a good, strong, and there's more organizations. There's a WA, um, ME and CFS and Lyme organization. So we're doing our best to link arms across organizations in Australia and keep this fight going on behalf of sick Australians. Like Cara, who brought this to the attention in WA, we also have Tanya DePayne as one of our ambassadors who's a WA resident and she's a former um, rural woman of the year, yeah. businesswoman of the year. So there's, there's famous people and there's ordinary people like myself who are suffering and, and we're not going to give up. Mm, I think it's a very quiet area, I suppose, of people that are out there suffering. So, you know, what about prevention? I mean, d- do we spray ourselves before we go out at night in our summertime or what do we do? Absolutely. So spraying yourself with a, a insect repellent, you know, checking yourself after you've been in the bush. I'd, you know, some people will never know. And, and it's... There's, Stats vary, but between 30 and 50% of people never remember a bite because ticks can bite and fall off and you can still be um, transmitted with infections. So um, tucked in socks if you're going through a bush area, you can have, and then showering and examining yourself after you're doing bushwalking or gardening or golfing or football or, you know, even playing in the park that, you know, recently we had a young 
boy who'd been affected, or there's a young man rather in New South Wales been affected, and he's a footy player. And he's gone down really quickly within a year to being quite disabled, and it's just scary to what happened. And just by chance, he finds people that don't find us are being diagnosed with motor neuron or MS, and, and, and some of them sadly are dying, misdiagnosed. So if you're not misdiagnosed, if you are acknowledged as having all these symptoms genuinely from a bite, is there a form of medication or what sort of therapy do you have? Well, best practice is immediate antibiotics and probably a, a double-tiered antibiotic uh, approach and and past symptoms. So, you know, not just two weeks or four weeks. If they've still got symptoms or returning symptoms, it needs to be um, persisting with the antibiotic treatment. And depending on the, the patient and their genetics and the presenting picture, they might need a, a very multidisciplinary approach, um, which really isn't available it's only available in pockets in Australia. So there isn't anybody taking patients. Since the DISCAP pathway, we now only have approximately four doctors in Australia taking patients, two in WA and, and two in Queensland, Goodness. which um, is heartbreaking. You know, in, in um, June, I had somewhere between four and six kids with bullseye rashes in the northern beaches of Sydney. And with the mums, I was calling, we tro- called one mum, called, we called seven doctors. Mm, we couldn't is... get the appointment for this child. So they'll, they'll probably hopefully recover and get over this flu and whatever was going on for them, but they'll go on to ha- come up with something else, probably ADD or mental health issues, and it'll be the, mm. the tick-borne disease won't be taken into consideration. Therefore, they have less of a hope of recovery. Now, Sharon, if people listening at the moment feel they may have symptoms, know of somebody that does, or they feel they want a bit more information, I guess they could Google you. Would that be right? Yeah, LymeDisease.org.au, and um, there's an email opt-in there, and we'll do our best. We have a team of patients who do the best to coach people in looking at naturopathic. You know, naturopathic is a valid approach. Um, Sadly, probably for most people, the majority of people, antibiotics would be the best first chance, but if we can't do that, we can do our best. And if you don't mind, Jenny, can I just do a plug for how people could support the LDA? Oh, please do. We, we have a, a, on our, so it's LymeDisease.org.au, L-Y-M-E disease, and we have a raffle right now, we have a petition, so we've got over 50,000 um, signed for a petition, a refreshed petition to Minister Hunt because things are getting worse, yeah. and we really want to get their uh, awareness and attention again, we want to ha- be back at the table discussing that this isn't good, and really, like Dr. Bransfield says, it's crimes against humanity. Oh, yeah. At, and we're also on Facebook, so follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, and volunteer. We could, you could, we need a lot of help. We're a very small, unfunded um, charity with a big job to do to help Australians. And I'm sure they're very appreciative of all the work that you do for them. Sharon, thank you very much for your time, and I hope you keep healthy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the time for Sick Australians. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Sharon Whiteman there, and it is LymeDisease.org.au. Clinton. 